Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. I believe that if you build a better business, you can be a better architect. And better businesses start with planning for profit. And you can download our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. This is Entree Architect Podcast, and you're listening to episode 159. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. How do you get paid? How do you structure your fee as an architect? This is a topic that architects love to talk about. I know this because every time I reference this topic of fees or compensation on social media, these posts light up with architects sharing their knowledge. Whether it's on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, if I post a thought about fees, you, the Entree Architect community, you want to talk about it. So this week at Entree Architect Podcast, I'm sharing my compensation strategies for small firm architects, and then we're going to talk about it. 
This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by NCARB, helping architects reach their career goals. Explore your options today at ncarb.org, N-C-A-R-B.org. And TrueStyle, the leader in high-end architectural interior doors. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash TrueStyle. That's T-R-U-S-T-I-L-E. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. So before we get started here, I want to share with you that this episode is about how I've structured my firm's compensation strategies. I've been, I've been doing this a long time. I've been in the profession for over 20 years now. Uh, I've been developing this compensation strategy, these systems for more than 15 years for my own firm. And I know what, I've do- what I'm doing is, is working, uh, but it works for us. I'm not claiming that this is the way that all architects should structure their fees. Uh, I'm not even claiming that you should structure your fees if you're just like us. I mean, everybody should structure their fees the way it works for them. There's, there's lots of information on the Entree Architect podcast. There's lots of information on the Entree Architect blog. Uh, on many different ways to structure fees, how to understand how fees work, how to be profitable. The profit course at entrearchitect.com slash free course talks all about how to figure out what your fee should be. So I'm not talking about specifics of what your fee should be because it's really specific to your to your firm. Um, but I wanna share what I'm doing. I wanna share how our fee works um, because you know, I want to st- I want to start with our Facebook group because this was where this this episode was inspired. Our Facebook group is extremely active with architects from all around the world, uh, and they post questions and they share their successes, uh, and they console each other from their failures. Uh, and those failures, you know, we all learn from those failures. It's so awesome, really. That's the only word. The Facebook group. Uh, the Entree Architect Facebook group. It is so uh, open and transparent, and it's really, really uh, exciting to see that grow uh, every day. Every day we have, uh, you know, maybe 10 new members. It's really growing rapidly. Um, it's a private closed group so that uh, what's posted there is hidden. It's hidden from the public. The group itself is not hidden. People can search for it and they'll find it, uh, but they can't see what we're posting inside it, or at least that's what. Facebook says, uh, and I've tested it, and that's true. Um, our clients can't see it. Our consultants can't see it. Our families can't see it. Uh, anybody who's not a member of that group can't see what we're posting uh, and sharing in there. So that makes it a very, very honest and transparent and supportive place to be. It's really, really exciting. It's free to join. We don't charge anything for it. Um, but here, here's the catch. You must be an architect or a student of architecture. Okay, you, you don't need to be licensed. Uh, clear, basically, if, if you are actively involved in our profession as an architect, uh, you don't have to be a licensed architect. You have to have gone to architecture school or are currently in architecture school. Uh, and that has to be clearly posted on your personal Facebook profile. That's how we f- um, filter out the people who are not supposed to be in this group. This group is for architects. Uh, and they could be any size architect, you know, any any size firm. Uh, the group is overwhelmingly uh, small firms and sole practitioners. Uh, 
but you have to be approved to get in. You have to request membership uh, and you have to be approved. And the way we do that is we look at your profile and if you know it looks like you're an architect or you're clearly posted it that you're an architect on your profile, uh, you'll be approved and you'll, you'll be in and you can do that. If, if not, even if you're an architect and it's not clear there, we can't know that. So, um, and we won't let you in if you don't show that. So if you've tried many times, because I've seen many, many uh, people request to be in over and over and over again, and it's clear that they have no uh, affiliation with architects. We want to keep solicitors out. Uh, we want people who are not uh, architects, who are not going to contribute to our conversations uh, to not be included. And so it's really important that if you want to be in it, you have to make it clear that you're an architect. Um, and I post several questions every week. Uh, and members post, you know, members of the group share uh, probably a dozen more, maybe a, d a dozen other posts of really thoughtful topics, you know, really thoughtful things. Typically, it's something that somebody's going through right now uh, and they need some help uh, or they want to share a success and a win. Um, as I write this right now, we have we have 1,292 members in that group, all architects and all or, or students of architecture. So it is, it is a fantastic place to be. Uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, go there. And, I, and I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, and I've told many architects this, because I know there are a lot of people who don't want to be on Facebook because it sort of overwhelms your life. Um, but if you want to join Facebook just to join this group, you can do that, um, and, it's, and I believe it's worth it. So uh, you can go to entrearchitect.com slash group, and it'll take you right there. Uh, and you can sign up and, and request membership. Uh, some recent discussions. I wanted to share some of the things that we're talking about in there. I'm not going to talk about who posted these or, or any of the answers. These are just the posts themselves, and they're just segments, little clips of each one. I just wanted to share the type of things that we're talking about in there and why it's inspired this episode of, of, the, uh, of the podcast. Um, some of the questions have been, uh, how do you remain confident in a room full of folks uh, with many years of experience and knowledge ahead of you? It was a great question. We've had, uh, at this point, 20 comments. And every comment, it's not like a little, quick little three-word comment. These comments are thoughtful, um, helpful comments. These are people, these are architects who, who read this and said, I got to help this person. I, I, I need to share what I know. I need to share my knowledge. Because as architects, we've all been in that place, right? We've all been in the place where, We've been the youngest one in the room, and we don't have the confidence to to say what we have to say and 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 uh, do what we have to do and have the authority that we should have in a meeting as a as an architect. Uh, great conversation uh, with that with that post. Another one is, uh, what does everyone do for secondary income or passive income? Twenty two comments right now up to this point. Really good question. Really good question. Some great answers in that one. What people are doing in addition to traditional architecture one of my favorite subjects. Another one, this was really, really popular, really, I, th I give this person so much courage uh, to ask this question, to put this out there uh, and ask for help. You know, this is what this person was doing. It says, I'm running out of cash and I don't have a single client or project to work on. I just started, but it's really stressful knowing that the source of cash is diminishing and soon I won't be able to tend to my family's needs. Any thoughts? Almost 30 people came to this person's uh, assistance and shared ways to, to get started with clients or, or get some quick cash 
to pay your bills as a as a as a as as a family, you know, to get keep your family fed, you know. So that's the type of things that we're talking about in there. And it was it's the again those questions those answers weren't just you know you know go make some more money. This, they gave some really good advice, uh, and the person was really really uh, uh, inspired and excited to to hear those those answers and posted some other really thoughtful questions as well. Another great one, uh, and this is just a little clip of the question. It talks about how as architects, especially small firm architects, we become these we become marriage counselors, right? So so it says uh, I'm currently working with the most dysfunctional husband and wife client of my career. They can't make a decision. They can't keep decisions once they finally made them. And they argue incessantly about the smallest things using the most brutal terms right in front of me. I always thought that a good residential architect must also be a good marriage counselor and have prided myself on that skill, but I have met my match. Do you have any suggestions, comments, or similar stories you would like to share? And I got, you know, we have 23 comments on that. Again, another question that so many of us can relate to, um, as the, as the answers clearly stated, uh, it was a really, really uh, good discussion still going. And all of these questions, it, they constantly, you know, some of these were weeks ago, some of them were months ago, and people still comment on them because they rise back up to the top once people start posting on them. It's really interesting. Also, the group, you can, there's a share, uh, I mean, not a share, a, a search bar on groups in Facebook. So you can search for any subject that you want uh, and then start that subject up again just by commenting. It'll pop right back up to the top once it becomes active. Uh, another one is, are you struggling? This is one that I posted recently uh, from one of my newsletters. After every newsletter, I post a question based on what I wrote in the newsletter. So are you struggling with the transition from CAD to BIM? 34 comments already on that post. Um, what's a good construction detailing book or reference? You know, we get a lot of questions like that. Uh, you know, a, a resource, some software or a good book. Lots of lots of questions like that. What kind of car do you drive? This was awesome. 62 comments at this point. What kind of car do you drive? And it was a pretty, you know, it was a longer question than that, uh, sort of getting into why he's asking that question. Um, but 62 comments on what kind of car do you drive? And how, what does that say about you, which is the basis of the question? What does that say about you as an architect? Uh, when you show up to a client meeting or to a construction site, uh, what is what you're driving say about you? Your car is part of your brand, right? So what you drive matters. Um, anything that members need assistance with other than uh, other architects are there to share. They're there to help you. 1,200 architects in there. Uh, very, very active group. Uh, it's exactly what I wanted to happen when I launched Entree Architect. It is exactly what I wanted to happen. I wanted architects to share their knowledge with one another. And in that Facebook group, we do exactly that. We do it openly and honestly every day. Uh, it is a great example of what I hoped Entree Architect would be. And it's just a little segment, a little snippet of the Entree Architect platform. But it's a really successful one, and I'm really proud of it. Uh, and I thank you, the Entree Architect community, because it's not me. All I'm doing, I just, I just started a Facebook group, right? And I just, you know, I post a question on it every week. Um, and it's just, it's just exploded. I'm really, really happy about it. Again, entrearchitect.com slash group if you want to join it. It's, this is not a, a, um, a commercial for the group. It's just I wanted to sh share uh, some of the things that are going on in there um, 
and 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 what inspired this discussion today, uh, because one of the most popular topics for discussion in that group and anywhere has always been compensation and fee structure. It's always been every time since I've started Entree Architect. Every time I talk about fees or compensation, um, the posts light up. The posts light up. It really is something that we want to talk about. I you know, and I'm not going to get into the whole AIA thing. Uh, and the profession, that's a whole nother subject, another topic, another podcast. I've talked about it before. Uh, I've talked about it on this podcast. I've, I've written about it. Um, we're allowed to talk about fees. We're just not allowed to collude. And so as long as you're not colluding with me, uh, we're good. And so I, I'm going to share what I know. I hope you share what you know. Um, so today I decided to, to dedicate this episode, a full episode, uh, of the podcast to how I've structured my fees at Five Cat Studio, my residential architecture firm. And I just want, I want to give you some background. My architecture firm is small. It's my wife and I, and we have uh, a flexible uh, remote team that we, we have a virtual studio. Um, we're based about 40 minutes north of New York City. Um, and it's, it's um, much of what I'm going to share will be influenced by the region that I work in. And the market that we've chosen you know we are uh, high-end additions and alterations essentially that's what we do we've done some some new houses but when you're uh in an area that's north of new york city a very old part of the country there's not a lot of open land to build new homes there's not a lot of development happening it's very specific and and you know lot by lot uh and so we've done some of that but we've really focused our target market on doing really beautiful additions and alterations uh, and lots of whole house renovations. That's really our specialty is to, is to be hired to basically take some of these old houses and turn them into beautiful homes that, that modern families can thrive in. And so that's what we really love to do. Um, and so that, I just wanted to give you that background because you know, what I'm gonna talk about, you know, this, it works for us here, you know, but I've, I've talked about this before I've shared this on Facebook and you know, lots of people say, well, I don't live 40 minutes in New York, New York city. I know, I know that. Um, but a lot of what I'm going to talk about, you can take and you can apply to where you are. Uh, maybe the numbers are different. Maybe the structure changes a little bit, which is why I, I wanted to say that in the very beginning. Um, this is how we do it. I just want to sort of inspire you to focus on what you're doing, uh, and maybe, uh, get some ideas on basically, basically on what we do. Um, Bottom line, our compensation for basic architectural services is 12%, 12% of the cost of construction. That's what it ends up being. Uh, we do it two different ways. Sometimes it depends on the client, depends on the, on the project. Um, some, you know, so we'll, we'll, we have two separate proposals. We have one that's called a hybrid fee, um, it's, which we basically, the way that works in a really simple way of ex explaining it is that we get an initial payment, uh, typically about 10% of what we expect the project to be after we do uh, some initial discovery with a client before we, we uh, finalize our, our proposal. So uh, we get an initial payment based on uh, about 10% of, of what we expect. And then we go through uh, a design process. We go through the schematic design phase, uh, essentially, and uh, our compensation for that phase uh, is that initial payment. It's, it's, or it's, that's, what we, it's, that's what we work toward um, our initial payment is is held as a as a uh, a credit and is applied to the final payment which i'll get into a little bit later um, 
but we have that money up front is really what I'm saying is that we get get an initial payment. We don't get paid until the end of schematic design. So uh, this is our hybrid fee. And at the end of schematic design, we have a, a design, right? So we know what the project is, which is, that's the key of the hybrid proposal. Every client wants this, this flat fee, right? But you can't give a flat fee without knowing what the project is. You can't, you, without understanding what the scope of the project is, you can't, every time we've ever done that, we've lost our shirts. And so we've developed this hybrid fee to be able to understand what the project's going to be. Uh, we get, we finish schematic design, and then we get a construction cost estimate from a general contractor who wants to bid the project later on. Uh, they do that uh, a courtesy to the client, courtesy to us. Uh, so we have a third party construction estimate. And so client, you know, gets confirmation from a third party that this is what we expect this project to cost. It's based again on schematic design, so it's not fully developed, but we take lots of uh, assumptions. We put together a, a scope of work and, and some, some idea of what things are going to be, materials and, and level of quality. Um, and then we base our fee on a schedule of, of uh, a fee schedule that we include in our proposal. And it's based on 12% and it's broken up into $25,000 increments of construction costs. So every $25,000, it, it goes up based on 12% of that, that, uh, that number. And, and that's how that works. And then if, if the project changes, if the scope changes, uh, our fee changes. So our fee will be adjusted for any changes to scope. And so that's how our, our hybrid fee works. Uh, the other fee that we like to work with, and I actually like it better, and I can get into that a little bit later too, uh, is a per percentage of construction cost. It's my favorite fee. Uh, and the way it works is it's based on, first on a budget, the client tells us how much they wanna spend we put together a proposal based on that budget, which, you know, we've discussed a little bit with them. So we know that budget's realistic for what they want to do. Um, they signed a proposal and then we go through a schematic design. We get a schematic design estimate again, and we adjust our fee at that point. Um, and then, uh, the project goes through, we go all the way through bid. We get proposals back. They sign a contract with their contractor and our fee adjusts to that final cost of construction. Uh, and then it adjusts again during construction if the scope changes. You know, if the client decides they want to do something different or some major change has been made due to this, the um, existing conditions maybe or unforeseen conditions, uh, our fee will adjust. And there's lots of other things in our proposals that sort of uh, protect us uh, from any possibility of, of, uh, of that. So we don't, we don't work hourly and we don't work any sort of flat fees. Uh, I believe hourly, I, I love hourly. I'd love it if it worked, but for me, and if, I, and I know it works for a lot of you, I've heard uh, lots of architects working hourly. Uh, for me, hourly has always been a monthly negotiation. Every time I send a fee uh, based on how many hours we work, uh, the negotiation is either with myself, when I look at all those hours we worked and I can't possibly bill for all the hours we worked, so I'm negotiating with myself before I even send it to a client, or I send the client and send the client the invoice and they come back to me and negotiate with me and say, I don't think you could possibly work that much. You know, and then you're having this conversation, this conflict. And, and my feeling is that your goal as an architect is to keep the client happy, right? If that's the, if that's the goal is to keep the client happy, uh, a monthly negotiation is a monthly conflict. And I, I try to avoid every conflict that we could, there's, there's enough conflict in, in, uh, architecture, alone to have to ha 
add another conflict about the bill. And so for us, hourly has never worked. And I know it works for, for many of you. I'm happy that it does. Uh, I'm sure we can probably figure out how to make it work. But for me, the other ways that we do it have worked better for us. And flat fees by themselves, very difficult to predict uh, for the type of work that we perform. Every project that we do is different. Uh, they're all similar, but they're they're different. You know, the houses are different, the clients are different, the the quality the level that they expect is different, uh, the const- the contractors are different. Uh, for us, every time we've tried to predict and put together a flat fee up front before we start any work, uh, y- there are only two ways that 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 can be done. One is you have to pad it enough to make sure that you're you have enough in there to be profitable at the end of the project when things do blow up, and then you don't get the job because your fee's too high right? If you actually put in a flat fee uh, based on what you think the project might be, plus all of the contingencies of what if, we never get the job because we're too high. Or you put it a nice comfortable fee that the client loves to see, a, a flat fee, um, and uh, and you either lose your shirt or you have to come back over and over and over again and ask for additional money for the things that are not included in that lower fee. And so, Flat fees for us never worked, which is what inspired our hybrid proposal. You know, our hybrid hybrid fee. Um, you know, percentage. Like I said, percentage is my favorite structure, and I believe, and I believe, I really do. I believe that the percentage of cost of construction. I know a lot of you disagree with me. Um, I believe it's the most fair uh, of all of them, because for us, it's all uh, controlled by the client. You know, the client determines the budget. The client approves estimates all along the way that are provided by third parties. It's the best way. If the project goes up, our fee just goes up with it. If the project comes down and the client just wants, you know, wants our fee to be lower, they just bring the project cost down and everything goes with it. And so we're just getting paid for the work that we've done. Um, and, and I mean, that's, that, that's the reason we developed the hybrid proposals because I love the percentage. Um, but clients don't understand it. Right, And I've learned as I've matured as a business owner and an architect that it's easier to develop systems around the beliefs and the expectations of those clients than to try to convince them that we're correct. Right, For years, I've I sent them the, the percentage uh, and I, you know, I have to go through the whole explanation of how it works and why it works and why it's fair and why, you know, it, if they choose a more expensive countertop, which is what they always say, um, why do you want to get 12%? Okay. So I stopped arguing, right? As I've matured, I've learned that it's easier to to base my systems on what they already believe, what they already expect, what they already want, right? And they want a flat fee, which is why I developed the hybrid fee, right? I developed that to solve that problem. Clients want and expect a flat fee, and the hybrid proposal, the hybrid fee, uh, is how we can provide a flat fee without losing our shirts and be profitable, right? We can... We can base a flat fee on something that we know, right? So that's why we've developed that. Um, so, so that's those are the two ways that we typically break up our our, our or propose our, our compensation. Um, and it depends, on, like I said, it depends on the client, depends on the project. Uh, I like percentage, like I said, the best. And so, uh, if I think it's a client that will accept that and understand it, I will s- submit that proposal. And if not, I'll I'll submit the hybrid proposal. Uh, truthfully, I very rarely get pushed back anymore on percentage uh, because I've, I've put together a proposal that explains how it works. 
Uh, I go over my proposal with a client and they clearly understand how it works and, and understand why it's fair to everybody. And so um, I don't get that pushback really anymore on the, on the percentage. Uh, but I do present both to specific clients. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, NCARB, True Style Doors, and FreshBooks. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed but was unable to complete the experience requirement? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio. With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly the IDP, they've switched things up a little bit, by submitting an online portfolio. And along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you or your employee get one step closer to becoming an architect. Learn more about the AXP portfolio at ncarb.org slash entrearchitect. TrueStyle is passionate about providing us small firm architects with the inspiration and the tools to transform our designs with the most authentic and distinctive doors available. And now we can see TrueStyle doors and how they worked with the National Association of Home Builders and architect Phil Keane to create a show-stopping interior door package for the 2017 New American Home. To download the case study or watch a video and learn how True Style Doors can help differentiate your next project, visit entrearchitect.com slash truestyle. True Style, driven by design. Visit entrearchitect.com slash truestyle. So how do you get paid faster? Well, one more way is to use FreshBooks. FreshBooks is a full-function online accounting system built for us, small firm architects. We're small businesses. It includes invoices, uh, expense management, time tracking, and so much more. It does everything I wanted to do in order to get paid faster. I could send invoices efficiently on the same day. I could set up FreshBooks to automatically send reminders with the words and the timing that I want. And I can accept credit cards for payment. You should give it a try. When you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, go to freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. freshbooks.com slash architect. And don't forget to let them know that Entree Architect sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And then we, once we get into it, you know, our, the compensation itself for architectural services, on either way we do it, uh, the, the actual compensation is divided into five phases like many of you do it. I think the AIA uh, proposal uh, contracts do it as well. Um, we divide it into schematic design, design development, construction documents. Uh, the fifth one we've changed a little bit and we call it bidding and selection of general contractor. And then the final one is construction administration. And so the first phase schematic design we have is, is divided in, is 25% of our total fee. The design development is 25% of our total fee. Construction documents is 25% of our total fee. And I know uh, if you're using BIM, some of those numbers should change. Um, you can change them any way you want to change them. That's just, we've 
played with them and experimented with them and and we like it you know nice and even uh helps with our cash flow as we go through the process um so 25 25 and 25 bidding and selection of gc is five percent and then the final construction administration which i've talked about before is not optional with us construction administration is based is is part of our base fee it's part of our base architectural services uh, and it's not an option clients cannot opt out they um, if they want to work with us there we're providing construction administration uh, you can search on the blog uh, construction administration and you'll see a bunch of posts and podcasts about why i feel that way uh, and i think everybody every architect should be providing construction administration it is not an optional service um, and if you don't present it as an optional service clients will accept that that's what you do right if you present it as an option they will opt out and I'm like, I, I, you're going to get me rolling on this and I'm not, I don't want to get into it because it'll make a very, very long podcast. So uh, we'll come back to that another day, but you can definitely search for that and you'll see what I, what I mean about that. Uh, so that's it. That's the fee for our basic architectural services, which basically 12% of the cost of construction. Either it's a hybrid proposal or a, a pure construction uh, cost estimate or construction percentage. Um, and it's broken up 25, 25, 25, five, and 20. Um, but, right, we, we perform much more work on most projects that's not within that scope of basic services. Look at your contract, right? What's included in your basic services? Because if it's not included in your basic services, you should get paid additionally for anything else that you do. Many architects are giving away services and leaving a significant portion of their potential revenues on the table. Are you? Think about it. Are you giving away services? When architects wonder why they're not profitable, it's probably because they're not being compensated for much of the work that they perform. It's they're, they're providing services and they're giving them away. They don't want to have that conflict, right? The way to avoid that conflict is to, is to put it in your proposal and then review it before you start. You manage expectations. If they expect that they're going to pay for it, they will pay for it. Right? A perfect example is our, is our existing condition survey. Right? Putting together, we do additions and alterations. So every project we have to put together uh, a set of existing conditions projects, right? existing conditions uh, documents. Right? We have to spend an entire day there. We measure the entire house. Um, we come back, we have to draw it. We do it in CAD now. We're actually in the transition into BIM. Um, we do that as a separate service. If a client has a set of CAD documents that we can work with, they don't have to hire us to do that, right? But if they don't, and none of them do, unless they've, rec unless they've recently done a project and they've uh, paid for those from an, from an architect or can get them from the past architect, they want us to do it. And so we, we offer that service, right? It's called our ECS. It's our existing conditions survey service. It, we call it pre-design, right? They're not paying us in our basic architectural services to document the existing house. We see that as a separate service. And so it's a separate fee. Uh, it's very difficult to roll that into one of our other fees. And so we do it by square foot. If we measure it, we get paid for it. And so our fee for existing condition survey is 75 cents per square foot. Um, and what that does is it basically compensates, compensates us for the, for the day or more of measuring. Uh, typically two people. Um, 
it's almost impossible to do an entire house by yourself, which I've done, which is not easy and nor fun. It typically takes more than one day, but two people who do it all the time can go through it in about four hours, can build, you know, can measure a 4,000 square foot house in, in uh, about four hours. And um, we get paid 75 cents per square foot measured from the inside surfaces of the areas that we measure. And it's all defined in our terms and conditions. So it's really clear on what they're doing. Again, we go over this before we start. So they understand it. There's no surprise. Um, it's a separate service. It's a separate compensation. Um, if we roll it into one of our fees, we're going to have to cushion our fee, right? To make sure that we get paid for that 10,000 square foot house that we may have to measure, right? Or they, you know, maybe somebody has a 1,200 square foot house and they're going to have to pay a larger fee because this is a really easy, fair way of being compensated to measure an existing house and put together the floor plans and elevations to get started with the architectural services. Um, another thing is that our proposal calls out several additional services, right? And this this is something that architects, many of us, are are giving away. You know, if somebody says, "Oh, can you do this?" Yeah, we'll do that, and then they just they, they don't charge for it. They just include it in what they're already doing. Um, some of the things that we have in our proposal um, is uh, is master planning, construction management. We have an entire construction management service that we offer. Um, and some of these things are things that we've gotten burned on through the process, through the year, something that we should have in our agreement but didn't and had to give it away, you know, because, you know, if it's in the agreement, then it's in the agreement. If it's not in the agreement, then you have to do it and you don't have to, you don't get paid for it. And so things like um, redesign to meet project budget costs. So you go through a whole schematic design process and then client says, well, I've changed the budget and I want you to redesign it. Well, you're going to pay for that because it's in our proposal. Um, public hearings and municipal filings, so variances and planning boards, uh, full interior design services, additional. So kitchen design, picking tile, uh, picking colors, those kind of things. If it's not built in, we call it interior design. Um, Built-in woodwork, separate, separate fee. Um, purchasing through the office of the architect. We're happy to manage the purchasing of materials like tile and plumbing fixtures and, and lighting fixtures. We forward our full discount, trade discount, typically 20% to our clients, and then we charge 20% of the cost of the item. And so we get paid 20%, you know, we forward our discount. So to the client, it actually doesn't cost anything to have us do this, right? And we still get paid for it. So that's an interesting one. We get that often uh, for from clients who don't want to manage that process. Any sort of 3D modeling is additional. We also have engineering as additional. It's not included in our base fee, although we typically uh, uh, do some structural engineering in-house and then have our engineer uh, review it. Other than that, we don't typically have engineering on our projects. Uh, and so it, any sort of engineering, if somebody wanted additional electrical engineering or they needed mechanical engineering, these, you know, again, additions and alterations, residential work, typically not engineered uh, more than what we're doing in-house. And so any sort of Required engineering is additional. Uh, and then another one that came through experience, coordination of consultants and or clients work. How many times have you been on a project and you've, you've uh, the client says, oh yeah, I'm gonna do that part. I'm gonna build that part, <laughs> right? Or I'm gonna do the demolition, right? That's fine, but what happens? 
you end up being their consultant, right? You end up coordinating their work, whether it's a consultant or a client. If you're coordinating it, you should be paid for it. And so um, most of our additional services in our proposal, they're hourly fees. Um, we very often roll it into an adjusted hybrid fee or a percentage fee, and we just get paid the same way we always get paid. We just roll it into that uh, and, and adjust our fee to cover it. Depends on what we're doing and who we're working with. Um, but it, typically additional services are hourly. Um, and so so uh, that's what I wanted to talk about there. And then I, I wanted to talk a little bit about our initial payment. Um, like I said in the beginning, typically our initial payment is based on 10% of what we expect the project construction cost to be, right? And then so we'll, we'll get, upon signing the contract, uh, we'll get paid that initial payment. And currently it's held until the final invoice. That's why I want to talk about this because I think I'm going to change this. This is another change I'm going to make and something that I learned through somebody in the uh, Facebook group. I don't remember who posted it, but uh, the thought I had is it was inspired by something that somebody else posted that they do. Um, right now they, they pay it for us and we hold it to the very end, right? And it's 100% refunded uh, as a credit on the final invoice. So our final invoice goes out, the initial payment goes back onto it, um, and uh, and they're refunded that. And so if if they terminate the project and they didn't pay our bill, that's why we hold that until the end. So if somebody doesn't pay what they've they're supposed to pay, we can um, use that initial payment to compensate our for our work before we refund the rest of whatever the balance is. Uh, it's a protection, right? Throughout the entire project, you're basically prepaid until the very end. Um, and it's refunded 100%. So if the project is terminated, right? Currently we we refund 100%. I recently had a, a problem with that, right? I recently had a project drag on. How many of you have had this, right? It's dragged on for several years with a project that they wanted to do right away, but now it's two years later and they're still talking about whether they're gonna do it or not. You know, multiple schemes, 12, 13 different schemes because their priorities keep changing. Um, we have been compensated for all the work that we've done. You know, we've done additional services because of the, of the limits on schematic design have gone way over. So they've had no problem paying for that compensation for all that, for all the additional work that we've done because we never, never got it out of schematic design. Um, and after several months of quote unquote decision making, right? The project was canceled, right? After, after years, the project was, was canceled. And so months and months ago is the last time we designed anything. And then just a few weeks ago, they called us and said, we're going we're gonna to cancel the project. Our priorities changed, and, and, th and that's okay. No problem. They've been great clients, really fun to work with, um, some really great ideas that we've developed for them. And, uh, but they're not going to do it. You know, they're, they were deciding whether they should make this a full-time residence or a retirement home, and they weren't sure what they wanted to do. And their priorities shifted and they don't want to put that much effort and money into that project. And so they've canceled it. And what that does is we have to now refund our full initial payment, right? Because that's the way our contract's written. That hurts. After, you know, months of not doing any work and now I have to, you know, refund, a, you know, maybe a, a $25,000, $3,000 initial payment. I got to write a check for that. That hurts. It, it's it, it's certainly not profitable. 
because all of the time that we've we've wasted on on the delays. So we're going to make a change to our agreement. This was based on something somebody posted. Uh, a percentage, what I'm going to do, and this is sort of a little bit different than what they posted in the Facebook group, but this is sort of how I've developed it. And I haven't done it yet, so I don't know if it'll work. This is sort of something I'm just sharing right now. Um, what I'm going to do is at the end of, uh, I'm going to do a percentage of the initial payment will be credited at the end of each phase, right? So, the, so instead of holding it until the very end, every phase, so if schematic design is based on 25% of the total, that schematic design invoice will also include a credit for 25% of their initial payment. So they're going to get refunded a little bit sooner, right? So they're going to get a little bit of a, a little bit of their money back for the work that they've that they've already completed. And that sort of gives them, you know, some comfort that they're getting back their initial payment. Um, but the initial payment will now be non-refundable upon termination. So if somebody terminates their project, they're, they're, they don't get that initial payment back. They get, they get it back as they've developed the project. So if schematic design is complete, they get their 25% back. If design development has been completed, then they get 50% of that initial payment back. Um, but if they cancel it, the rest of it is, is covers us. And what that does is it helps us, um, you know, there's a cost to termination. There's a cost to project closeout. There's a cost to, to all of that waiting and, and managing and administration that goes along with a project that closes and cancels and we never finish the project, right? And so whatever's left of that initial payment is going to be non-refundable and covers us for that cost to uh, close out the project. We're gonna try it, we're gonna put it in our proposal. And again, this is something that you can do. It's your proposal, you can do whatever you want with it. You can put it in there, you, you don't hide it. You, you expect, you know, you manage the expectations, you present it and, and review it when you present the proposal. Um, and we'll see how it works. You know, I think it's fair. You know, they get back their initial payment sooner. And if they terminate it, it helps us be compensated for the work uh, to close out their project. So I wanted to share that with you. Um, this past week in the Entree Architect report, I shared three strategies for getting paid faster, right? And those three strategies in their essence is one, be consistent, build every, every day, you know, every month at the same time, same day. Uh, second one was follow up, which is something that many of us don't do. Uh, follow up on your invoices. If it's a 30 day, you know, net 30 payment, follow up on your 15th day, send them an, uh, an email and say, Hey, just to remind you, this is an open, open invoice. Uh, that might kind of get our, our invoice back up to the top of the pile. And the third one is accepting credit cards and electronic payments, right? There's a fee to that, but from, from my point of view, uh, it's a, it's a cost of doing business. I get paid faster when I, when I offer that. And I, I, you know, cash flow to me is worth a lot of money. And so I'm, a, I'm willing to pay that, uh, additional charge to, for using credit cards. I love it. I've been using it now for a couple of years. Um, that was another great discussion on the Facebook group. When I posted that question about, uh, how do you get paid faster? Uh, we got lots of, lots of answers. But I wanted the reason I brought this up is because our friend and author of the Financial Management for Design Professionals, The Path to Profitability, Steve Wintner, um, who's a friend of Entree Architect, has presented many times in the academy, has posted many guest posts on on the blog. Um, he didn't, he's not on Facebook, so he gets the email and then he always emails me his response. And I love it. I love what he's what he shares with me. 
Uh, but I wish he would share it with you in the Facebook group. But I, I totally understand that he doesn't want to be on Facebook. I respect that tremendously. I, I, sometimes I wish I wasn't on Facebook. Um, but I wanted to share this with you because this is so good. This is so good. He, he, when, when I wrote about those three ways of getting paid faster, uh, one of the things, this is the thing he wrote back to me. He said, hi, Mark, I agree with your three strategies and would offer a fourth. Always send reimbursable expense invoices separately from fee invoices. In the vernacular, quote, you don't want a dollar waiting on a dime, unquote. When fees and expenses are sent on the same invoice, which how many of us are doing that? I do that. I've always done that. If the client has an issue with some small expense item for your reimbursable expenses, then the entire invoice is put on hold until that issue has been resolved, right? They'll hold the entire payment for that one little thing that they're not sure about, right? So just more time lost serving as a lending agency, quote unquote, for a client, unquote. That's what Steve Wintner wrote. Thought that was a great idea. Send invoices for reimbursables. And I'm probably, you know, Steve's worked at both as a small firm architect as well as for Gensler. Uh, and so he has massive experience in all of the profession. The big firms are probably already doing this, which is probably why he's sharing it with us small firms. Um, but I thought that was great advice. And I'm going to apply it, you know, apply it to my compensation strategies going forward. And I just wanted to to share it with you. Um, this, this episode's starting to get a little bit long, so I'm going to wrap it up. I hope what I've presented here today uh, is helpful. I hope it's useful to you. Uh, if the information is helpful and you want to learn more about the hybrid proposal, that's, you know, I've developed that. Uh, a full compensation strategy. We, one of the first products we put out at Entree Architect was a full comprehensive digital course on our hybrid proposal. Um, it's the first digital course that I ever did. I actually did it in my office before it was an office. I did it in this unfinished basement that now is a is a beautiful office that I work from. Uh, it was the first thing I did. About, I think it was right around this time in March. No heat, and a little glass outdoor table sitting on a folding chair uh, with this microphone and put together that proposal. And it's still one of our uh, most uh, popular because it's what we all need, right? We all need a proposal uh, that works for us small firms. And so I did that. And so I walked through every piece of that proposal, the cover letter, the proposal itself. Uh, we've developed a full standard terms and conditions for architectural services that's included with that. And then a reference sheet with a proprietary coding system that helps clients know which references they should call, right? So if it's a modern project or a traditional project or whether we did construction management or not, um, whether it had included a kitchen, because a lot of our clients have kitchen work, um, they know which clients to call. Sometimes you just get a bunch of names with phone numbers, right? But we put together a code system that people, uh, prospects can look at, say, oh, that person right there is exactly who I need to call. So uh, that's all included in that. The full digital course and the complete document templates are available for purchase if you're interested at entrearchitect.com slash hybrid. I know many of you already did that. Years ago, you've purchased it and, have, and are using them. Uh, but I just wanted to share that because, you know, we, I shared everything that uh, that's inside that here on the podcast. You could just take what I what I've talked about today uh, and build your own. But the course will will get you a lot farther. It's a lot much more in depth than what I talked about today. Uh, but and if and full templates, you know, so you could just take word documents and, and edit them to do whatever you want with them. Um, let's bring this discussion back right now, back to the Facebook group. Right? I said in the beginning that I want to talk about it. I'm going to share what I know, and then I want you 
to share what you know. So go back to the Facebook group, entrearchitect.com slash group. Here's your question. It'll be posted on the Facebook group later today. Describe your fee structure. What works and what needs improvement? Right? Head over there right now, entrearchitect.com slash group. If you're not a member, go join uh, and answer that question. Share what you know. Share your knowledge about fees. What works and what doesn't work for you? Um, entrearchitect.com slash group. Thanks for being here. I'll see you over there. If you liked what we shared today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 159. Go share that link with somebody you think might benefit from what we talked about today. And don't forget to visit the website to gain access to our digital course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, and learn how to build a powerful profit plan for your small firm. Visit entrearchitect.com slash free course. It's a great place to get started in building a better business. And it's free. EntreArchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark R. LePage. And I am an entrepreneur architect. And I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And I'll see you over at the Facebook group. Have a good one. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well, well buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real. To this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? 
Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.